0: Good morning, afternoon and evening everyone. We are back in FPL mode. I'm your host Zofa. In this video, my co-host Late Riser and I will be discussing our initial drafts ahead of our big game week 17 pod on the 20th. How is it going buddy? Long time. I think it's the least we have spoken. There's like two months.
1: Yes, I know. And it's so good to see your face. I mean, I mean, we just logged in 10 minutes ago and it was just so nice to see you. Feels like FPL is well and truly back because podding with Zofa is just a sign that FPL is around the corner. Have you been enjoyed the World Cup?
0: It's been fantastic, right? What a tournament it has been! It sort of refreshed my love for football. You start remembering why you actually watch football, not just for FPL, but just how, like anything can happen on the day. What about you?
1: Yeah, man, it's been great, absolutely great. Uh, been f- busy with a few weddings, but I've made sure I've not missed the matches. Like the phone's on, I'm barely paying attention to what's happening. And things, the games have been great. I mean, especially that Argentina Netherlands game. So good to see that. In the knockout stages, you know. I I actually don't even mind the fire and the passion that these guys do. Cause these players, when when they're, you know, going through the rigors of professional football, the ultimate dream for all of them is World Cup glory. Like, say what you want to say about club football, but from a player's point of view, World Cup is it. Is it right? But uh, I think we need to switch back into FPL mode and uh, I saw an article on the scout this morning and I'm like, Zoss probably had a tinker. I wrote my article for the scout this morning as well. I had a tinker as well. So I thought it'd be a good idea for us to just discuss where we are with our initial thoughts. So yep. let's dive right into it.
0: Yep. Speaking of fire and passion, we asked Bakkar to send in his drafts, but he's too busy filming for the next season of Love Island. So he should be with us on Tuesday.
1: Let's get into our sponsor let's plus go. before we move into
0: the drafts. Sure. Let's do that. All data you see on the FPL wire is taken from the Fantasy Football Scout members area. The new improved members area is now up and running, and the new comparison tool lets you compare key stats for up to three players. Player projections are also live, and as always, you can access the custom stats table we create or make one for yourself. Sign up for membership today using our affiliate link in the description below. Right, LR. Your very template draft, first up.
1: Yes, I mean, what can you do? The doubles are sort of dictating the players and the pieces on the screen that you see there. But I'll quickly take you through my draft, and it's not very far away from your draft. So just reading out the players before we get into the nitty-gritties and start discussing the positions and what we're debating and who we're debating with. My keepers are Ward and Kepa. In defence, I have White, Reese James, Cancelo, Trippier, and Bueno. In midfield, I have Salah, Rashford, Foden, Almiron, and Andreas Pereira. And up front, I have Darwin, Holland, and Mitro, which I think everybody has. That's. Front three is, I think, common to everybody and every draft that I've seen on Twitter. Where are your changes, Zof? What about your draft?
0: I only have three different players from the draft you showed and I think Patterson-Bueno is pretty much the same. It's just a placeholder. I haven't figured out who the fifth value defender is going to be. But the main two differences are I've got Martinelli and Mount and where you've got, I think, Rashford and Foden. And Foden, yes.
1: yes, yes.
0: Otherwise, it's all pretty much the same. So, Let's go back. Let's talk position by position where are really our dilemmas are. I'll just go back to keep your draft on here. How set are you on the Ward-Kepa
1: combo? Uh, not very set. There is, There might, uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm 0.1 million of this draft. And you know, actually was... Uh, m- Somebody who was 3.8, who was a United defender, Brandon Williams. So I do need to find money, but these are early drafts and these are kind of the players and the pool of players that I want to work with. Let's see what happens. But uh, one keeper I'm actually considering is Edison because I actually need to remove some money from my draft. Uh, I do want a piece of the city clean sheet with a potential double-double coming for them in the next five or six game weeks. And Cancelo hasn't been that, that attacking so how i'm thinking about this entire situation is cancellor 7.2 we do have some five and a half six million defenders who are very attacking so i might want to switch that up save some money and get a piece of the city clean sheet i might not get the attacking returns that Cancellor gets but that's just one of the positions i'm contemplating i might not end up doing it but the only other keeper that i'm looking at is edison or then saving money and going for somebody cheaper where are you at with the keepers
0: I think Ward is as close to a no-brainer as it gets. No point discussing. But for me, it's either Kepa or Iverson. There's literally nobody else, I think, in the consideration. Because for me, Edison is A, a waste of a city slot. And B, the problem is, right, Cancelo is going to be very highly owned again. Because there's a double that's coming. And like, he can get that 15-pointer on any game. It's very much possible. And when that happens, your rank plummets. I just don't see that myself being worth the trade-off and I want that spot sort of like, you know, the price points because I'm all about those price points. I want that possible TAA switch, possible Robertson switch. I want that premium defender spot in there. So I think that's pretty set in stone for me. Let's
1: talk about Reese James. Just just while we're on that, I mean, it's the point that you make about structure is great. Danny on the first spot that we did made that point where you have to keep the price point uh, accessible. In my head, I'm sort of ensuring the rank protection against Cancelo's 15-pointer by at least covering six or six points nah, with the man. clean sheet. That's what I'm thinking about. I, I don't the think, only I don't reason I might it. need to do it I is if I need more money.
0: I don't think Edison covers Cancelo at all. All
1: right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so Reese James. Yep. He was back
0: in training yesterday. And it's interesting, while writing my article, I had a close look at Chelsea's schedule, right? It's not that bad so when we show up it's we have effectively three games in seven days which is the equivalent of a european week it's not where you have games at 48 48 hours and all that stuff so and he's had the week off i think there's a possibility he might start two of three and what's interesting about the double is we play man city then two days later we play them in the fa cup and then there's a four day break to the fulham game so it's very likely that he could start the city game at home sit out the fa cup game and then play the fulham game and the thing with James, yeah. is our team is built around him.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned this on the earlier part that we did. And the thing with me is, and I've seen this previously, you guys don't function if your wingbacks aren't fit. Chelsea, given the personnel that they have right now, is very dependent because they're your best players on the wingbacks being fit. And two other factors, it's just not the doubles, right? You have the... Bournemouth and the Forest game top first up, which the are tickle. potential 15-pointers, right, if you're talking about Reese James. And he's 5.8. He's not as expensive as the premium price we might be praying for a Robertson or a Trent or a Cancelo. He's still 5.8, which I think for the potential that he offers, I don't see James leaving my team. And I think by the time Boxing Day comes around, most people will have James in their draft.
0: Bournemouth, Forest and Fulham, three promoted teams back-to-back. Yeah. When do you get a fixture schedule like that?
1: Yeah, And it, it is worth mentioning that, yes, Chelsea's underlying stats have been absolutely rubbish. They haven't found their feet. But I think Potter was just experimenting to find his lineup without the wing-backs. Because I remember he was changing formations frequently. So we quite don't yet know. What I do want to ask you is if somebody's interested in a double-up in that Chelsea defense. Is there anybody you like? Thiago Silva probably won't play all those games. Chilwell, same thing. We have
0: fitness issues. Now, we have a lot of options for Fana, Khul, maybe Kulebali. But there's so, yeah, such limited guy. upside. And, and I mean, you can go when you have Kepa as the option in there. Kepa is also back yeah. in training now. I just don't see yeah. the need for it. Because Kepa, let's say, even if he doesn't play the double, right, let's assume that Mendy starts out. Kepa, even from week 21, 22, etc. on, you're getting access to a top four defense at 4.5. So even if Kepa doesn't start the season, I think he's worth having in your squad still.
1: Yeah, again, 4.5, top six defense. If they're able to Perform as per their potential as we know it. That's the main thing. Any update on Kante's fitness, also? Because I think that's he's, it's an important cog in this understanding. He's out for a while. He's out for a while. No problem. And Ben Chilwell, where are we with him?
0: I think I saw. I haven't seen pictures of him in full training, doing more rehab work. But I haven't really fully clued into that. But the problem is he's so fragile. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Having James and Chilwell is walking a bit of a tightrope.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Trippier, I think, is a bit of a no-brainer for no both point. of us. Yeah, no Not point discussing
0: cont- Trippier there.
1: And and are you nailed? Is Ben White a certainty in your team?
0: Now, what's interesting is before I had James in there, earlier I had Dallow there, and I had, instead of White, I had Gabriel. Because I don't really like rotating my three defenders. I like playing three guys with attacking upside every week. White doesn't have that as much. I know he's been getting forward a little bit more. But Gabriel has a lot more attacking upside. So if I wouldn't have James in there and I would have a sort of a perma play, third defender, I'd probably spend the extra on White. But right now, as it stands, he's my fourth defender. But I don't really think it's necessary to spend that extra money.
1: Fair enough. He's somebody who's not a certainty in my team as things stand. Because I might need to remove some money. From this draft because I, w- I might need a four million defender instead of know, White is the position I'm looking at, and when it comes to Arsenal, I'm just. I firstly think that Gabriel Jesus will have a big impact on that team because it's just not the uh, goals and the skill set that he offered offers in offense. He's the first line of defense for the Arsenal team. The kind of he's the guy who triggers the press in the Arsenal team. He sort of dictates how they press, and I think that he'll be a big miss. Uh, they will be better than what they were last season without Jesus because I think that team has evolved substantially. But I'm not confident, and I think it will have a bigger impact than most might perceive. And they're fixtures, right? I mean, first up, they've got West Ham, which is at home, which is an all-right fixture. Then they have Brighton away, Newcastle at home, Spurs away, and United at home. I don't see many clean sheets here. I mean, if you're looking at just the fixtures, uh, you don't see many clean sheets. It's more, uh, you know, that philosophical debate that we have where you just back a good team with a good defense. That's the reason why it's in there. So, if I'm looking to remove some money, and I know that Arsenal have a double in 23, but I think I'm happy to play the waiting game and get the right players when by the time 23 comes around.
0: Yeah, because we don't necessarily have form to go back on. We have pedigree. Yeah. So, we can pretty much bank our pedigree while we ascertain form as it evolves once the restart really gets into groove.
1: Yeah, but... And that's why I think we're done with the defense conversation. You're saying something, I
0: was just saying about Arsenal. And I noticed this in my article was a bit strange. They are actually playing Arsenal and City are top two for XGC. Then they are playing the next five teams in a row. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, they play all of them. So even in terms of attack, right, we talked about Martinelli. And I think like you've gone against him and I'm very tempted to do that because I think it's 70-80% ownership. Now the thing with Jesus, he was probably benefiting Martinelli the most. He would naturally drift to the left, allowing Martinelli to come inside. So I think that's going to be a big loss. But there's a possibility now Martinelli could play up front, could get some minutes there instead of Nketiah. So it's a double-edged sword. But I think I'm going to start with Martinelli purely because it's just backing Arsenal. As league leaders and then potentially switch to Rashford but then the problem is rashford's best three fixtures are the first three ones
1: exactly so you sort of exactly. missing the I'm both very comfortable there. starting with Rashford there are two or three reasons you know first up we have Forest wolves and Bournemouth I mean if you couldn't write a better trio of fixtures if you tried and uh the thing with Rashford it's an interesting situation also because his contract ends in this summer and we have a year's extra option and all the noises that have been coming out of the United camp is they're trying to woo him and they're laying out the red carpet for him he's absolutely nailed he's had a good world cup he's got a very very high ceiling as a pick and with these three fixtures what I foresee happening is Garnacho is a factor but what I see happening is Marshall maybe his minutes are managed because again we don't know how Uh, He's going to react to so many games in quick succession. What I see happening is Marshall playing maybe 60-65 minutes in the first three games when the fixture schedule is cramped up. Garnaccio coming on for the last 25 minutes as an impact sub. He takes up the left position where Rashford is playing. And then Rashford plays the last 20 minutes up front. And Ten Hag said something in his interview, which is very interesting, where he says like Rashford is one of the best players in the world to have on the last line of defense. So Tenak just considers him as a forward, whether he's playing on the left or whether he's playing centrally. I think he's going to be very heavily involved in the goals we have. And he's one pick I'm very comfortable sitting with. And I'm very happy to make that bet against Martinelli, especially because of fixtures we mentioned. And the number two reason is I'm still Odegaard curious. Like he's got the same goal threat underlying numbers as Martinelli and Saka. And he's got better assist potential. There is one factor. And again, when you take out... Upon, like Jesus from the Arsenal team. We don't know what's going on in Arteta's mind in terms of how he's going to make that team function. It might be a little different. He's got time to think about it. He's got time to prep and see how he's going to make his team set up without Gabriel Jesus as well. So we don't know what we don't know when it comes to Arsenal. And things might change in terms of who might turn out to be the most attacking asset in that Arsenal team. So I'm happy to play the waiting game.
0: That's a fair point. And even the fixture after was about Man City and Arsenal, those are Rashford games. Exactly. Playing on the counter. So you might have convinced me on that aspect. Um, That's where really I'm dilly-dallying on that position. Let's talk about Foden.
1: He's the pick I'm not sure about. Like if I can help it, I want Kevin De Bruyne. And the problem with Phil Foden is only one. I have no problems with him as a pick when he's on the field. The thing is his predictability of when he's on the field is a little bit dicey and that's why we want Kevin De Bruyne on our team because you're getting more nailed on minutes now the other factor in my head is when I'm comparing him to other eight million mids Gordon in terms of ceiling is my favorite but uh, when the potential double doubles are coming what's going on in my head is at least he's getting maybe 80 to 120 125 minutes guaranteed in a double because if he's 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 looking like he's going to start one of the two games. And if he doesn't start the other game, he's looking like he's going to come on the last 20-25 minutes of that game too. So I'm happy with 100 minutes of Phil Foden to do do the damage in a double game. When I'm watching Manchester City play, outside of Haaland, I think he's the likeliest to score a goal in that team because his job is to be around Haaland for the second ball when the crosses are coming in from either side. His job is to be around the six-yard box. He's inside the box, which is why I like him as an asset. So it's a little bit of a gamble. But I think the other picks that I have in my team are fairly nailed. You don't need to worry about minutes. So I'm just rolling the dice there.
0: Yep, I think I agree with the points you make about Foden. But I what I have heard, he's joining training a little bit later than everybody else. I think that Carabao Cup game is on the Thursday. He's only joining up with training on Tuesday, Wednesday. With the league kicking off on Monday and three games, like all that stuff. I'm very wary of Foden starting all those three. Yeah. Let's talk about Kevin a little bit now while doing my stats dive yesterday I noticed that Kevin is fifth for expected goal involvement but he's not even in the top 25 for non-penalty yeah. xg so he's purely an assist machine now Correct does Correct. he warrant that 12 that's and it. a half million like you know versus a Salah who we saw over the last four game weeks and as you had mentioned in your article his goal threat had gone up through the roof so,
1: Yeah that's the thing there are many reasons to not have you know, Salah in your team at the moment. And I just want to sort of ignore them because Kane has maybe one extra game. De Bruyne has potentially two extra games. And it's worth paying the price for 150 minutes of a premium asset when you're looking at that just as a separate equation. That's why I'm hoping that Foden sort of covers up for De Bruyne. That's the dice that I'm willing to roll. But you know, if you're looking for a premium, I have no argument against De Bruyne. You said he's become an assist machine, but he's one of the best assisters in the league. He's assisting the best finisher in the league as well. So you don't really mind that because the points will trickle through. And then he has the Wolves game potential where he gets two or three returns in one game too. And, you know, a lot of his ownership is going to be very, very high. And if you're at the negative end of a beating or something like that, then your rank is going to plummet because his ownership is going to be high.
0: It's actually going to be higher than Salah's, I think. And the fixtures also make things quite interesting. I think Villa are going to be a much tougher nut to crack under Emery. They've had six weeks with the new manager. They've had, I think, one of the least players. I think there are only three or four players who even went to the World Cup. So they'll be much better drilled. Now, Liverpool's fixtures are strange because they have only two home games in the next six. And those are against Leicester and Chelsea. They have Villa away, Brentford away, Brighton away, Wolves away, who could all four be tough games. Even Wolves now with the new manager. So the fixture play for Kevin, it's what? It's Leeds and Everton, which are good fixtures. And Chelsea and Man United, two easy fixtures. (laughs) Then Spurs, Wolves, and Spurs again. So fixture-wise, it's always Kev, right? But what I've sort of penciled in right now is start with Salah, then switch to Kev. Because I like those two Villa-Leicester games. Also, you get a chance to see how Salah plays, how Liverpool starts, City starts. Sort of like you maybe not put all your eggs in the City basket because Haaland is going to be your captain anyway. But I could yeah. come around. I'm, that's another spot. The Salah versus KDB one is open for debate.
1: Yeah, same same here. And I actually might borrow, you have Mason Mount in your team. I might borrow that idea. Maybe start with him instead of Foden. Because then you're getting the double. And then you have both options open. You can exactly. switch Mount to Foden if he looks better. Or you can switch Salah to KDB if he looks better. So I do not mind that. And... It can be Mount, it can be Kulusevsky, based on who you prefer in that 8 million price point as well. I like both assets. I just don't know where Chelsea are in their attack at all. It's like you say, a tukka, right? A shot in the dark and playing, putting yourself in a position to get lucky. So yeah, those spots are in of debate to me. But if I can help it, I want to make sure I don't start without Salah. Because my strong instinct, inkling, everything inside me is just telling me, do not compromise on Mosul. I feel that strongly about him right now.
0: I completely agree. Now, the reason why I'm a bit bullish on Mount is I don't think Kovacic should probably play the next few games. He's going to be there in the World Cup, I think, for that fourth place playoff. And Mount is very vital when Kovacic doesn't play because we have no ball progressors, otherwise. Yeah. And I think he's very capable of playing these three games in a week. He barely had minutes towards the tail end. You had Henderson starting instead. So if you had to ask me if any Chelsea attacker is going to start the next first three, maybe Sterling, maybe Orba now with Broja being like, you know, having issues, but the price points are much higher for those guys.
1: Kulisic had a strong World Cup and he uh, was playing some minutes towards the end before we stopped for correct. the. And,
0: and, but World I think Cup. he's more of a risk to your front guys. I don't think he can play the Mason Mount role.
1: Correct, correct. You know, when you're talking about Kovacic and, you know, him not playing the first few games, that actually puts me off Mason Mount a little. It makes us because, worse. Again. It makes you all considerably worse in my opinion, because I think the replacements that you all have in midfield aren't as good or far from being as good. So that's the dilemma.
0: But is Bonus following? You know, of...
1: Yeah. That's also there. But he, if you're comparing him bully. to a this amount it's
0: a flat and... track bully. Sorry to keep interrupting you. I just wanted to make sure we get that across. Sorry, go ahead on Foden.
1: No, no. It's good. It's a conversation. I absolutely don't mind us interrupting each other. But that's the conversation again because Phil Foden also has good fixtures. And I think closer to Boxing Day, we'll hear noises from the camps in terms of who's been training, how much, what the managers are saying, etc. And I think that's when we'll make these uh, decisions. Anybody else in midfield that you're considering? Kulusevsky is still in my thoughts. I haven't ruled him out because I do like Spurs' fixtures at the start. He's... Been an underrated asset in terms of how he's performed in general for Spurs. And the perception that I have when it comes to Spurs is when Kulusevsky is fit, Spurs are singing. They're just a much better team. He adds that balance to the team when they're playing. So, yeah, he's in my thoughts too. James Madison is also in my thoughts. Yeah,
0: Madison, but the problem is the opening to fixtures about Newcastle and Liverpool. You always want to start strong, right? Because this almost feels like another season. I know you buy players for the long term, but you want to get off to a flyer. And those two fixtures aren't ideal. And I want to go back to Spurs fixtures. I don't think they're that easy either because Brentford away. I always look at Brentford at their own stadium as not that easy a fixture as when they're on their travels. They're quite good at home. Then you have Villa. Then you have Palace and Spurs. I think the Sun has been at the World Cup. Kane has had a difficult World Cup. You have Romero who's still there. They've been Perisic, who's still there. They're, I think they might start a little bit slow. So I'm not as bullish on Kulusevsky. I'd rather wait and watch. That's what I am.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I mean, one player that we haven't talk, spoken about in this price potential as a placeholder is Antony. I think he's nailed down on the right wing uh, for United. Again, you know, a placeholder to have an explosive start to move into the right asset. And again, you have NFO wolves Bournemouth for uh United as well just while we are talking and brainstorming just a placeholder that's all in fact then you have the option because Anthony loves to take a shot on goal so what do you do you can decide whether you take Rashford or Anthony just a thought in my head I thought to put down Anderson uh, Andreas Pereira and Almiron I think both of us are pretty set on those picks
0: Pereira, let's not waste any time discussing because and what is interesting with Pereira and Almeron, right? And I notice his rotation-wise, and I think in 19, Almeron is Arsenal away. Prior to that, he has, I think, New nu- he has what, Leicester and Leeds. So the fixtures, yeah, the fixtures, but before I got, and you can easily bench him in 19 for Pereira. Because you'd want Pereira for a double yeah. game B fixture. He has a haul potential there. So that works. And Newcastle's fixtures are great. And I don't think Almeron is a minute's risk anymore. He is simply nailed on and one of the first
1: names on the team sheet. Yeah. And I was writing this morning and even if he underperforms massively on his expected data, he's still 5.8. Like at 5.8, you're okay with one and two, one and three returns anyway. And he's a part of that front three. I just see no reason to not have him in my team. He's one of those glue guys, which facilitates and enables everything else around in your team.
0: Correct. Let's talk about Mitrovic a little bit. The four yellow cards is a very interesting dilemma. Now, two things yeah. can happen. Let's say he, now we know that he doesn't get booked 17, 18. You still can't captain him in 19 because he could get booked in the first game and miss the second. If yeah. you, You're pretty much hoping for him to get a yellow card in 17 or 18 and miss the game and be there for 19. So is Mitrovic a lock?
1: In my team, as things stand, it's a lock. If Fulham didn't have that double, I'd have Marshall ahead of him. Like, I have no doubts in my head. If Fulham didn't have that double, Anthony Marshall would be in my team. Uh, But they do have that double and you can't ignore that. And Mitrovic, a very interesting stat that I read uh, when Neil wrote an article for Fulham, he's got four goals against the big six teams. So again, fixtures don't really matter for Fulham who are a front foot team always playing on the attack. And amongst all players in the league, He's got the most number of shots against the big six teams as well, so even better than the likes of other players from the big six teams. Mitrovic has the highest number of shots against the big six team. So, you know, Danny put this really well in a team that is attack minded, funneling all their chances towards uh, a Mitrovic. It's very easy to under appreciate a pick like that. So. Yeah, he's in. And then we'll see what happens when it comes to captaincy. You know, a Chelsea option might emerge by the time the first two, three game weeks are done. So I think that conversation we can have at that point.
0: Yeah, but the fixtures, the problem is the Chelsea is essentially Fulham and Man City. I look at it as possibly Fulham plus two points, whereas Mitro has Leicester and Chelsea. So I think the ceiling is higher with Mitro, but it's obviously the yellow card risk that's going to be hanging. Let's not discuss Haaland. Let's spend some, I think even Darwin with the Diaz injury, he was, I immediately went and transferred him in.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, I thought about it and played around with Marshall instead of Darwin for a minute, but Darwin, when Diaz and Jota are injured, need to be in your team. And I'm pretty confident Klopp goes with the four three three with Firmino as the sort of 10 and Darwin and Salah as the split forwards. And he's just a great asset playing in that position. Uh, so I'm not too worried. He's a fairly locked in my team as well. Yep.
0: He's more locked in, I would say, than Salah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because of the potential replacements in those positions. The reason maybe you would think about Darwin is if you want to maybe show on a Kane in your team. That's because another he thing. Because
0: I've got 1.5 in the bank in my draft. Now to move Darwin to Kane, I only need to free up another 1 million, which is quite easy by doing, let's say, a mount to a Rashford down the line, etc. So I'm keeping that option open as well, potentially for Spurs. Because Kane burnt me hard in the first half of the season. Yeah. One thing I remember while signing off, it made a note that I must get Kane in when the season restarts. but And he's not and there. And what right you right saw there.
1: in the first first 16 game mix was Kane's flaw. Because Spurs weren't actually good. And you know, it's something we spoke about in the previous pod, he scored 12 goals. Six out of those 12 goals were out of, from set pieces. But you can't ignore that Spurs are good at set pieces and he's got that in his harmony now. And if they have a good game, he's got a few more open goals as potential as well. But yeah... It'd be very difficult, though, to justify him over any of the three picks that we've spoken about. So, that's where we are.
0: Especially, we have to keep mentioning that Haaland is going to be perma-cap.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I do want to see if I can shoe on a Spurs player or two in my team. And it's difficult to find a way to do that at the moment. Let's see where we are. Closer to date. um, I think that's it for this uh, episode.
0: Let's do a Discord plug before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, Yes. I mean, we are... Going to get a lot more active on the Discord now. I think zo has been active in there. I've been busy this week. But we're generally active talking to people. And I think now is the best time to join the Discord because you want to get your drafts in place before Boxing Day emerges. So if there was a time to join our Discord, now is the time. It's not not just us, right? I mean, there are such good people on our Discord, and we've got some really great Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, Liverpool fans, United fans, giving their input. I think it always helps. It always helps to have a safe community, a safe space to have a discussion and uh, when will you see us next you will see us on tuesday where we have Bucker joining us as well we'll have our standard fpl wire pod uh, expected to be a fairly long one and i don't know if we are going to do one more after that we'll see about that uh if you did enjoy this draft video do let us know in the comments below if you like such videos and if you want us to uh, push through some more draft videos as well we'll be happy to do that until next time any last words off
0: nothing much see you guys on tuesday hopefully Bucker will have some clothes on see you then